Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, everybody, welcome to the run that down following a game three that I think we all would like to forget. Uh, it's me, Tyrese, hosting again for Sam, joined by Colin over here. And Hello. there's not a lot to talk about, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Um, first thing first, the Knicks lost this game 105 to 86, so they got blown out. And it really was competitive after the first couple of minutes in the first quarter. Uh, not a lot of encouraging performances for anybody on the team. Uh, major injury that happens to him quickly in the fourth quarter. Yeah, just not a lot to really build off of if you're the Knicks in this game. Uh, just a lot of hash-tracking decisions. Uh, I think the biggest decision we need to talk about realistically is the starting lineup, once again, Tom Thibodeau started Josh Hart instead of Quentin Grimes. And once again, the Knicks offense failed to start the game positively. It is baffling to me why this is still a lineup we go to when all of the data is pointing towards this being a negative lineup. The offense isn't good. There are two non-shooters on the court, three non-shooters with Mitch, and... You saw the first quarter, they basically just blitzed Brunson, double-teamed him, and they ignored Hart in the corner. And I cannot understand going to this lineup when you literally ran. You saw the Cavs run into the same problem in the first series where Okoro was not respected as a shooter, and they just doubled Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland. So I don't understand why we're doing the same strategy and expecting it to work against the Heat, who are a better team and a better defense. Just feels very head scratching to me. How do you feel? I mean, yeah, I think uh, I'm a firm believer that uh, I'm a firm believer that uh, no one person is going to fix any of this, but. Uh, the volume that Grimes is going to draw as a shooter is just enough that it justifies making the change and it justifies the fact that he has to do something. Uh, yeah, I agree. I just, I honestly, he'll never do it, but if I was him, I'd start Hartenstein and Grimes in the next game. Yeah, I think that would be a fair change to make. I think it's um, a, to the team. Uh, I think what will end up happening is he'll start Grimes and then he'll give Mitch like an Alfred-esque stint where he plays, you know, the first two and a half minutes and then he gets pulled for Hartenstein. I but I just, they haven't shown anything in this series at all, even in game two. There was nothing really to take away that was like, I loved, you know what I mean? So yeah. you got to inject something into this team somehow and you got to let them know that it's just unacceptable. I agree. Um, there just isn't a lot of positives to build off of. You feel like in theory you have a you have a lineup that works, and the coach doesn't want to utilize it. So when it gets to that point, then I don't know what you do as a team. Um, I don't know about the uh, the Mitch thing. I feel like I feel I can understand starting Hartenstein, but I also kind of feel like the bench is already struggling enough as is. So I don't want another situation where you're pulling from the bench in order to 
make the starting lineup work when it kind of feels like the bigger, more pressing issue is putting Hart in the starting lineup. So I feel like if that's the case, then I don't know how you really are able to do what you need to do or to start your games off right. Um, I just wouldn't switch anything else aside from Hart and then see how it goes. Because, like, that lineup was good throughout the regular season. It was one of the better starting lineups in the league since the rotation change was made. And right. it kind of feels like, why are you abandoning that to start Josh Hart? And I know why he's doing it, because he's seen the defensive metrics against for um, Jimmy Butler against Josh Hart, and they're pretty good. Right. Like, and he's seen, like, the offense itself works, and it's like, no, it's not. It's a small sample size, and RJ and Hart don't work together. So you're either going to bench RJ or you're going to bench Hart, and I don't think you bench RJ because RJ has been your second highest scorer in this playoffs, and he's had a good stretch of games before this one. So I don't see why you would make that decision so callously. Yeah, I mean, I think the sum of it is that he has to make a decision. Uh, he was never going to make that decision off of a law. I mean, off of a win. So now he can follow, you know, essentially what is his stubborn ass moral code. And okay, you know, he lost in a, a key game, you know, in the playoffs, and now he can make this switch that everybody's clamoring for. But I can just already see them arguing with him, you know, in the, uh, you know, locker room after the game too. And it's like. He doesn't argue with the results. So my only thing with the Hartenstein versus Mitch is just if you make one change out of Quentin Grimes and, and Hartenstein right for the lineup and then you lose this game, then you just really don't have anything. Because if they go down 3-1, I mean, they're already not winning the series as far as I'm concerned. They're not going to win three out of four against this team. Spolster's already outmaneuvered Tibbs. You know, he's outlapped them a couple times. Spolster is literally Captain America and Tibbs is Anthony Mackey in uh, – in what's the the second fucking movie with Black Widow where he's literally doing laps around him. Winter Soldier? On your left, yeah, in Winter Soldier. He's like, on your left, on your left, you know, except they're not fucking friends right now. But it's just there is no way to go except for to make this change and see if it works. Uh, This is a – and we only have until Monday. So, you know, it's awesome that we won, you know, game two, but – I would have rather had a loss in three days than a win in three days with this head coach specifically uh, because he's just a stubborn and I just don't trust him to come to all the right conclusions with a game 48 hours away. I'm also worried about both Brunson and quickly because now Brunson's going to have to go because Quickly's probably not going to be able to go. So I think it's very likely that it's a game that Brunson would sit if it wasn't do or die, which it becomes do or die when you don't have quickly. Uh, you know, even more so. And I'm also surprised that we didn't see uh, Deuce at all today until like the last 30 seconds. Uh, he's deployed him a lot more leisurely and, and he's been more willing to put Deuce in uh, in minutes that weren't garbage, you know, even when we were still playing competitive ball in the regular season. So I don't know why it's changed all of a sudden. Uh, he obviously has what he likes about him, which is his defense. And that's exactly what we needed today. Um, because as many buckets as we finally were able to string together in the fourth quarter, we couldn't get a stop to save our life. Uh, and a lot of it was sloppy play from fouling and, and whatever else, and whether that's the whistle or whatever it is, I just thought, you know, Deuce finally was warranted to get some run in this one. Uh, but inevitably, he will next game. That's the only certainty. Yeah, if um, if you guys didn't watch quickly, uh, looked like Bam dived into his legs 
late in the fourth, and it looks like he had an ankle injury of some sort, and he walked back to the locker room, did not return. So there are question marks there. I feel like he was kind of starting to shake it together offensively. He hit the two threes. The Knicks hit all half long in the first half. He wasn't able to hit anymore for the rest of the game, but it kind of felt like he was starting to gain his mojo back a bit, even slightly, and he's going to be a big blow to the bench, and it kind of feels like that's even more reason to put Josh Hart in on the bench because now quickly he's not able to go, then you need somebody to at least bolster your bench a bit, and it kind of feels like Josh Hart is able to play that role. We had never seen John Hartwell out quickly, though, so that would be interesting, but I kind of feel like you don't want a situation where you're asking Deuce McBride to run point guard for you back up. Um, I mean, I put it you know, in my recap for game two. I said, you know, Hart needs to come off the bench, and he needs to be like 2021 Randall, like obviously more efficiently, but he needs to be, you know, the guy for that group. And I think he's capable. I think he's more than capable, and especially if he's going to be playing next to McBride as adverse to, to quickly. Uh, do we see Evan Fournier in game three or game four? Excuse me. The Knicks no. free to save their lives right now. I, I don't think we I, see I, I firmly believe that everything is on the table for the next 12 hours and then they'll narrow all their options down to what Tibbs wants to do. But I just, I would have a blank whiteboard. There is no like, hey, we're not going to do this. Like if Sims was healthy. I would be talking about the viability of playing him in game four. You know what I mean? Like they have shown nothing through three games. As far as I'm concerned, there's not one good, no, no beneficial film that they can go back and watch outside of learning from their own mistakes. Uh, this series has been all Miami and a little bit of Scott Foster in game two. Yeah. I, don't think the Knicks have shown up yet, except to get their ass beat. <laughs> like, yeah, I just, I have, I agree with everything you're saying. Like, you're making the right points. Um, I just cannot fathom ever Fournier playing minutes in the situation. Maybe he goes to Derrick Rose first. I can see him going to Derrick Rose first. And shit, I, I forgot about Derrick. Yeah, fuck. Like, they need somebody to run the the bench oh. unit. He's probably so out of shape, though. Like, I, I'd trust Fournier more than Derek just because of the responsibilities that come with playing Rose, you know, as opposed to Fournier and having him, you know, they're both going to be major defensive liabilities. Again, I don't think any of this stuff is going to happen. I just, from my perspective, when you're three games into a series and you haven't done one thing well yet, there shouldn't be anything that's off the table. Like, Eric Spolster would be at least contemplating these things for the next 12 hours, like I said, and then he would narrow everything down to what's viable. But Tibbs is never going to, no matter who's speaking to him. So it's just unfortunate. Uh, and I hate to have, like, the funeral, you know, like after game three. But the series is over. The only question is, can we get a win on the way out and walk out with a little bit of dignity? Or, you know, are we going to take the 4-1 and go into the offseason with, like, no good vibes? Like, because as much as we want to say winning a, the first round was such a success for this team – that's, that was always like, they can win a first round if they do. Right now, they won the <laughs> And we're watching their bodies seamlessly move like meat puppets on the floor, but not play basketball. Yeah, I just, there's not a lot of options you can go to at this point. Let's yeah. not go and play better. Can we trade for Donovan Mitchell? Is that, that's still. So Jimmy Butler can take his soul instead? 
Maybe. I'm not Maybe. against. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. Um, I think Shimon made a good point that like the Heat would have had three days prepared, specifically Smolcher would have three days prepared for this matchup. But again, it kind of just feels like we're getting shot out of these games from our own shooting and not from the Heat shooting. The Heat didn't even shoot that well today. Um, they drew more free throws, sure, but like they didn't even shoot that well today. We won the re- um, they won the rebounding battle. They just kind of worked us in every facet. Like they played our game better than we played our game. One hundred percent. And just, that's horrible. Yeah. Like if the Knicks lose the rebounding battle, I don't think they win any game in the series. And I think that's been true for most of the season, right? Like I'd be interested, and I may even look when I get off this, like our record winning the rebounding battle versus opposite. I just that's our that's our game. That's the way we play. And a team that's coached by Spolster that's not going to make mistakes that we've so capitalized on all season, and particularly like once we got Hart and the rotation was trimmed, like guys were playing more and playing harder. It's just not – this was not the matchup for us. It never was. Uh, but it doesn't help that – and it's going to come out eventually. Guys aren't 100%, and I don't know what the fuck is going on. Um, yeah, really disappointed. Tough loss, but, you know, the second-best team in baseball plays tonight. Uh, I'll be excited to watch the Baltimore Orioles hopefully give me some redemption for the last three hours of my life. <laughs> That's disgusting. Um, yeah, it's pretty rough. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I guess we can go through individual players. Um, we can start with Brunson, 7-20 um, from the field. He went 0-5-3, 6 from the free throw line. 20 points, 8 rebounds, 6 – um, sorry, 20 points, eight assists, six rebounds, zero turnovers. He was off. Yeah, like the box score <laughs> looks nice. I thought he prayed. Like, I don't, I think he was the victim of the lineup more than anything. I feel like, again, when you're playing those lineups when you have no spacing and the Heat just have a bunch of size they can throw on him, and he's having to fight two and three guys to get the shots off, it just makes everything so much more difficult for him to function. And I cannot understand why you want. Jalen runs into trouble creating offense when your entire situation, this entire postseason has been your offense. I think people complain about the defense. Like, the defense was fine. They couldn't score. The last, the three games they played, the Heat have shot 33% from three, 35% from three, and now 22% from three. So it's not a matter of the Heat be just lighting goes up from three. It's a matter of the Knicks aren't able to score. And if the Knicks aren't able to score, especially if they're going to take 43s, it changes the entire nucleus of the game. Like, you know Miami's going to have more free throws than you, and I think the Knicks usually bank on having more free throws than their opponent. And now it turns into, well, the Knicks aren't going to have more free throws, and they're going to have to shoot better in order to win these games, and the Knicks haven't been able to do that for two out of the three games. I'm not so down on game one. As I was on game three, because I feel like with game one, it was, okay, if they go 0 for 11, you probably don't have a chance. But now, again, it they went 2 for 11 and got blown out. So it's just really, it's really frustrating to watch. Um, Josh Hart, 15 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists and a steal, 2 turnovers, 5 and 12 from the field, 2 6 from 3, 3 5 from the free throw line. Like, again, the box score looks okay. But you can see why the team is struggling with him on the court. They were just sacking off of him. They were 
just not engaged in defending him. And I kind of feel like he tried so hard to get himself going. And for some reason, it just kind of hijacked the offense. And again, his his inability to space, along with Barrett's inability to space, and Randall um, and Robinson's inability to space just creates such a low bar for offense. And that's really frustrating to watch if you're a Knicks fan. I do think that if you're going to have a team with Josh Hart, Tom Thibodeau can't be coached because he just seems to like once Josh Hart got guaranteed a starting spot, um, it kind of had the writing on the wall that like he trusts Josh Hart more than anybody. And again, Josh Hart played the highest minute total on the team, and it's like, why is Josh Hart doing that? Why is Josh Hart playing 38 minutes? Josh Hart is not the 38 minute of the night guy. He's a good player, but he's the seventh man on the team for a reason. And he should be treated as a seventh man instead of a savior or somebody who is supposed to be this X factor who significantly contributes to winning like that. He's a good player. Don't try to make him something he isn't. And that's going to be really frustrating for a tips coach team because it kind of feels like we're kneecapping ourselves to give Josh Hart minutes. And if Tom Thibodeau is going to have this affliction with Josh Hart, then there has to be questions on do you want Josh Hart in the scene for Tom Thibodeau coaching it, or do you get rid of Tom Thibodeau? And if you get rid of Tom Thibodeau, which that should, that should be happening, that should be happening, but I don't know. It's just really frustrating to see the over-reliance on Josh Hart. He's not that guy, and you don't want him to be that guy. I don't even think he wants to be that guy. So I don't know why we're doing that. Um, Sam is currently drunk, by the way. That's why he's not on post game. He was at the Strickland meetup, which, if you guys were able to go, I hope you guys enjoyed it, despite the aftermath of the game. Last one, I think Latrell and Leonard Jackson showed up, so that's it's good to see all the Strickland fans here and supporting the brand. Thank you guys so much for your support. Start with Mitch next. Um, I don't think Mitch played a necessarily good game. Um, he was ineffective. He played 14 minutes tonight. I don't really care about his numbers. He just wasn't there. He wasn't present. He got Mitch could have for once, and things would have been the exact same. He yeah, just – he provided no resistance. Uh, he did his usual, like, I'm over seven foot and I can get the ball every now and then because it's, like, right in my hand. But there was nothing – no Cleveland Mitch, right? And the versatility of Miami has just negated him entirely. I texted my buddy Kenny, who's a Heat fan, and I said, hey, I said, the biggest way you guys can win this series is to take Mitch out of the game. And that's what they've done. He just – he doesn't exist. Um, and they are smart enough and physical in the right ways that they've baited him into some old habits. And I don't think all his foul calls are deserved, but – he is getting back into foul trouble, and if he can't stay on the floor, then they really just don't stand a chance. It kind of goes back to what we were saying about the rebound game. I love Hartenstein, and he had a great game, too. I think he was probably our best player from game two. Uh, but we cannot be playing him. How many minutes did he play tonight? I'm sure he played like 14. Say it again? Uh, Hartenstein played four. Uh, no, sorry. Robinson played 14 minutes. What about Hartenstein? Hartenstein played 26. Yeah, that sounds about right. And then we went small. Um uh, 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think Mitch has sucked for this entire se- – there's not many players that I'm, like, bullish on, like, how they performed in this series specifically. Like, Trevor Keels has been our best player against Miami <laughs> in round two. Like, print the headlines. Uh, yeah. I'm really disappointed with Mitch. I'd written over a 1,000 words about how his, like, debut playoffs has just been this tour de force and how I owed him an apology and all this other stuff. And now it's just going to sit in my drafts for the rest of eternity because I'm never going to put that out on the internet with my name associated with it if I have to watch him play like this every night. <laughs> uh, Mitch was bad. Mitch is no – he cannot handle Bam. He cannot handle Kevin Love. None of these guys. He's not built for that. He's not that guy, pal. Yeah, I just uh, – um, also, official word from Tibbs. Manuel quickly sprained his ankle, so we'll see what happens there. Great. Even better. And Jalen Brunson may have tweaked his ankle today as well. Tremendous. So, uh, Miles McBride, Derek Rose, point guard rotation for game four? Yeah, we might get Miles McBride. And We're definitely getting Miles because one of them being out means that – I mean, he literally is the next man up in the rotation hierarchy as we are to understand it, right? But <laughs> it would be poetic. I mean, sincerely – if Tibbs is like going down with the ship and he just plays Derrick Rose 25 minutes in game four. Yeah. There is I mean, no more Tibbsian way for him to go out of this series than to do it with his guy who's like probably running the same, you know, minute mile as me right now. Like, yeah, I really unfortunate. At least quickly doesn't have to like, I almost hope that quickly misses the rest of the playoffs. Like, just I want him to be as far removed from this series as possible. And I don't want him to be so much associated with why they lost and why this is over and yada, yada. Uh, did you think that he played well today? I hate to, like, skip jump, but, like, let's talk about quickly for a second. Like, before he got hurt, I saw a lot of people saying that, you know, he gave them good minutes. But my thing is, and I'm not trying to say he's so defined to his shot making because obviously he's an incredible defender. But every environment is asking you to do something different. Against Miami, we don't need quickly to be this all defender. We need him to hit his fucking shots. Yeah. Like, so if he's not doing that, to me, contextually, he's not giving us good minutes. Because what the series is asking for, he's not doing at all. I agree. Um, this kind of feels like first 23 games of the season quick prize of rotation change where – he couldn't shoot the ball well, but he played really good defense, and people were just like, you know, like he's a, still a positive on the court. So, but at some point, it's like your job is to be the sixth man, and the sixth man needs to hit shots because when he's hitting shots, he's able to give Brunson rest, he's able to give other guys rest, and it's everything. His role has been so important, and I hate to be like, oh, points for game argument, right? With sixth man of the year, like we already did that whole thing. You don't have to be a 25-point-per-game scorer off the bench, but you have to be able to hit your shots. Like That's why you're out there. And if you play point guard, I need you. Tibbs admittedly could do better with enabling him, you know, as the ball handler still, you know, three games into the series, we're still saying that. Uh, but, again, contextually, if Quickly's not hitting shots to me, his minutes are just net neutral. And if, like, if that's the floor, okay – but, like, we need him to be more than that. I guess I'm just holding him to a higher standard, and some people are still looking at him like this 
prized pupil that's like in a glass case and we can't we can't break it you know like no like quickly needs to be hitting shots that's the name to his game for the most part like and he's been open for so many so it's not like they're just locking him up and everybody's found out the secret to his shooting motion and all this other bullshit no quickly he's getting a bunch of open looks he's not hitting them end of story if he can't do that there's nothing to say yeah i i agree with what you're saying um 100 if he can't hit shots then he this team ceiling is drastically lower and i feel like a large reason why this team was able to go so far as it did is because quickly was hitting shots especially in the regular season like you don't get to sick on um, second and sixth minute of the year voting without being able to hit shots so you need he needs to find his stroke, but I don't know if he's gonna play, so this might be a moot point. Um, I think in the first half he played okay, the second half, which is significantly worse from a shot making perspective. And you hope he gets better, you hope he's able to play game four, if not game five. But he needs to be able to do stuff as a scorer, and if he can't do stuff as a scorer, then his role in the team gets murky. And the defense is nice, but at some point you need offense because I feel like the offense has been the problem more, much more than the defense has been. Because that's my thing. Like, everybody wants to argue he's played good minutes. Okay. What has that gotten us? The good minutes, right, that he's playing. Where have we progressed as a team for all of these good minutes that he's provided? Because it's not there. He's been the weakest link this playoffs. He has let a guy who I have continually drafted – you know, uh, photoshopped images of him on different levels of beer to highlight just how ass he was in the regular season (laughs) in efficiency and productivity. And I understand it's all matchup dependent and, you know, RJ being a wing and and things are like a little bit easier for him in certain matchups. Like, but again, for all these good minutes that everybody says quickly is giving us, I'm not seeing a lot of results because the results that I'm seeing are ass. (laughs) Like it's okay to be candid. It's okay, I promise. The team is underperforming drastically, and our sixth man is going to naturally be a big part of that. Yep. And I would argue he's probably one of the bigger parts of it. Um, I think the biggest part of it by far has been Julius Randle. Um, this was an atrocious performance from him. Uh, I mean, he competed on the boards, and that was kind of it. But otherwise, he just did not give you anything offensively and defensively. He took a really horrible technical free throw that – he should not have been taking, especially if he, he has been struggling from the line as much as he had been. Like, he was one of three when he took the free throw, he missed it. So it's kind of like, well, what are you doing? Why are you taking free throws? And that um, really matter in a game like this when you're scratching for every point. Um, yeah, just really confusing game from him. Uh, somebody asked if playoff Randall is a thing. I feel like it's not as been as bad as the Hawks series. Like this probably might be his worst playoff game. I feel like the he's been a bit better than the Hawks series, which you kinda expect him. In fact, he's had playoff experience before and Bronx on this year to kind of stabilize the unit. But he needs to do stuff as a shot maker and he hasn't been doing stuff as a shot maker. So it kinda feels like if he's not able to do that, then yeah, left right now might be a thing. I just can you cannot live with that level of effort. You cannot live with how he's playing, like, I get it. He's had two high ankle sprains in a week. Not in a week, but, like, in a span of a month. But he needs to be able to do more. If you're on the court at some point, like, you're culpable for your play. 
And if you don't feel like you're able to do those things, then take one for the team and sit out. But, like, yeah, he just played atrociously today. There's no positive stick from his game. And, yeah, it was just rough to watch. RJ kind of tapered off after his bit of a five-game hot streak. I don't really feel like he was relevant at all today in any capacity. I don't really feel like he did anything wrong. He, had, he was on minus 32, which I think is a lot more noise than anything. But it kind of sucks that like in those lineups, he was so torched that the number is as gaudy as it is. Like, a minus 32 is hard to achieve in the modern NBA, especially in the playoffs. And he was able to do it. So, very, very rough game from him. It's not, not a good game from anybody. Um, yeah, I just... I don't know, man. I just, there's just nothing to really talk about that's positive about this game. I the, think like, the issue is that his kind of like, and again, I'm skip jumping because I just literally, I've been eating in and out of this fucking shit, but Hart is such a complimentary player that when you give him such a high volume, it stresses the efficiency and the effectiveness of what he provides. And all of a sudden it's just not <laughs> like effective and efficient, you know, like his role is not meant to be like you said it earlier. Like he's not, how many minutes did he play? Like that's not 38. Yeah. On, on a team that's looking to win playoff rounds, that is not who he's going to be. I love him to death, but I think I said earlier, I said, did we all just drink a giant tub of like Josh Hart flavored Kool-Aid? Like, because the guy that he is right now and the guy that he was in the regular season to close things out for the Knicks are two different people. And the only difference that I can draw are the people that he's playing with and the amount of time that he's being forced to play. So what are the two things that that fall under the umbrella of? It's your role. And right now he needs to get put back on the bench for his own sake. Like you can't stretch him so thin because it takes away all the umph of what he gives you in those big moments. Like he's diving on the floor for loose balls and he's getting huge rebounds. Like, how do you think he gets those? Because he hasn't been on the floor for 35 fucking minutes, and he's so juiced up more than anybody else. Like, Tibbs has just done everything wrong in this series as far as I'm concerned. And for today's game, again, to have come after three days preparation and Spolstra, like, dude, you knew what the fuck was going to happen. And Tibbs just, like, rolled up like, okay, like, I've got my guys. We're just, we're just going to do what we do. Whereas Spolstra has like an entire 300-page binder specifically devoted to the adjustments that they were going to make for game three. Every final starting lineup has a charge heart. Uh, Robin Ragnarok says, I'm sorry if I butchered your name. I really don't mean it. Um, problem is Josh Hart is like – I don't think – yeah, I disagree with that. Robert. Yeah. Because usually like you look at um, final starting lineups like – you could say Draymond is probably the closest thing to like Josh Hart on like the Warriors, but like Draymond gets to play with the two greatest shooters in the league. Well, um, and again, that's that's my entire point is that this isn't a finals team. We're not contending for a title. So you lose the benefits and and the elements that go into that and the synergy, right? When you're not that team that's going to the finals, you're just playing to win every round. Like 
you're talking about two completely different situations in that sense to me. I don't know about a Josh Hart on every team. Like he's such a unique player. I'm I, I'm not here to draw like comparisons to guys who are starting. Well, I, I guess you can like argue that maybe somebody like Aaron Gordon and Dre Margaret would fit the Josh, the Josh Hart type. Yeah. So if you look at those teams, they can get to fly about spacing or they have really, really good spacing. And Josh Hart before the better was spacing. I kind of feel like if there was more spacing on the team, Josh Hart started him. Okay, fine, that makes sense, but it can't be with RJ. He has to play with Grimes. He has to play with Quick, which gets back to why is RJ and Hart playing together? And it kind of feels like that's where we're going. 100%. But what he, where he's not helping himself, and again, I'm putting equal blame on everybody in the Knicks. Like, Tibbs is just as guilty as Randall is guilty. Tibbs is just as guilty as Hart is guilty. RJ's just as guilty as Brunson is guilty, right? Like, there is a perfect, perfectly proportioned slice of pie for everybody to eat on the plane. Or I guess they're not getting on a plane, but the bus back to the hotel. Like, everybody from the 15th man to whoever has played a part in what has been a complete underwhelming performance. For Hart, dude, he's not the best three-point shooter. You still have to shoot them when you're open. That's literally why we won fucking game two. And tonight, I can't get him to shoot the fucking ball. Yeah, those pump fakes. I just are, don't understand. I don't. I don't understand the pump fakes either. Like, it, the entire team was pump faking out of open looks to try to reset the defense, and it's like, quickly, what are you guys doing? Right. It just again. So that's where I get frustrated with heart. Like, unless that's like a an actual decree, which I just. Find a, I have a hard time thinking that Tom Thibodeau, who is the most, you know, one of the most fundamental oriented coaches and, and loves his defense and whatever else, is telling guys not to take open shots. Like, I just, I don't believe that for a second. So that's where I get pissed with Hart because it's like, how many open shots did he have today that he didn't take? When in game two, he took one open three and one contested three in the fourth quarter to put us ahead and ultimately win the fucking game. Like... This is the playoffs. I don't care if you're shooting sub 30% from three for your fucking career. He's not. Take the open ones, bro. Take the fucking open ones. Russell Westbrook does it. Draymond Green does it. There's no excuse. The thing is, like, um, Robert again says, he shot six threes and made 33%. That doesn't seem terrible. Like, that's a good percentage for Josh Hart. It's not a good percentage for spacing. And it's also you have to realize he's taking those shots in the corner and they're letting him take their shots and they're also sagging off of him. So that way Brunson isn't taking that shot. Randall isn't taking that shot. Even RJ isn't taking that shot. So yeah, he's, he needs to be a better shooter if he's going to be taking exclusively corner three. It's kind of the P.J. Tucker thing where it's like, sure, P.J. Tucker's percentages look really nice, but it's on low volume usually and he's not a threat to shoot and you're going to live those possessions. So... 76ers fans have been saying since yesterday shit since game two they're bitching about pj tucker not taking the open threes right because that is what you're here to do amongst other things right it goes back to the quickly conversation like what is the context what is the series what is the environment asking of you in your role well for josh hart it's take your fucking open threes bro 
and then get these rebounds that quote unquote break teams. Right now he looks fucking broken. Like that's why you're here. That's why you got the starting lineup. And now that you're in the starting lineup, you're shying away from all the things that made it. And again, completely understand the guys he's playing with, the lineups, the rotations, but everybody needs to take a little bit of accountability as an individual on this team and go to the fucking hotel tonight. Look in the mirror. Remember who the fuck they are. Number one, number two, remember what their role is and then show up to practice tomorrow, ready to get back to that. If they're not going to do that, there's really no need to go on and suit up on Monday because it seems like everybody on this team outside of Brunson. And even then, like sometimes I just want to scream at him that he's the starting fucking point guard. Like we need you to get the ball moving, right? Like, Everybody needs to reaffirm themselves with their role. And Hart is, like, one of the primaries for that. The whole team got a sorts. But that's what happens when you play Eric Spolstra in the playoffs and you're not ready to make live adjustments. Yeah, like, the best minutes offensively have come when one of Grimes Grimes is on the field with one of RJ or Hart. And it kind of feels insane that he keeps starting – with them on the court and it's like you look at what happened in game two they were cut the lead to really single digits at some point and then game like second half he comes out with Hart and rj and then the league gets tony and it's like what are you doing every time they manage to open them out like every time they manage to like open up the offense and get spacing on the court the offense worked there with the chip into the league and then when he brings them back on the offense doesn't work and the league gets gets extended I don't understand what he's watching to somehow continue to come to those conclusions. And also, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and anybody who's watching this can please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I'm not the most attentive when it comes to watching games. I don't notice a bunch of the little things that, you know, some of our colleagues like Dallas or Schwinn, who's got like an elephant's memory, like, but – I just don't know any other coach that sticks with a lineup that isn't working, number one, out of timeouts, and number two, for like another four to five minutes of the game after that. But that's what we're constantly doing. Like today we got in a rut. We went into the timeout in the first quarter, and then we came back out with the same lineup. And we played them for minutes. Like <laughs> I can understand if you're like, hey, I'm going to put you back in the game. You're my guys. We're in the trenches together, but you got to show me something, right? And, hey, another minute and a half passes and they haven't shown anything. Then you find a way to get them out of the fucking game and make a switch, make a change. And I just don't know if I've ever seen a coach operate like this. And I know it's been the story of his time here, but, like, in a moment like this where I'm trying to see the Knicks win the fucking second round for the first time in however long, it's really becoming more and more apparent especially in a series where we've done nothing <laughs> well, you know, like, but like four or five minutes with the same lineup that you went into a timeout with because you were sucking ass. How does that make any sense? Like, am I wrong? Do you know other coaches that do that? No, like, I don't know how many other coaches think maybe doc rivers, but like, again, Doctor Rivers. And that, yeah. And that's a good coach. one. Yeah, that's probably a good example, but where has doc, where's doc rivers ever gotten? Okay. Like, in the last 15 years, he's gotten nowhere with some of the most premier talented, you know, teams of that last 15 years. So, yeah, that's probably a great example because it helps to accentuate what I'm trying to say here. Like, 
it just you're com- he's insane because insanity is literally defined as doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results you cannot run the same lineup that forced you to call a timeout mind you how many timeouts did we call like it was like three timeouts we had called in the first quarter like two in the first two in the first quarter three in the first half three in the first half like they literally were giving it to us and he calls time it's like what do you even think they talk about in the huddle like hey everybody who missed a shot next time make it like okay coach sounds good like what are we doing it just we're so lost at sea right now and tibbs is like drunk on rum and half of us have the bubonic plague like (laughs) that's where we're at in this series that's the best way that i can fucking describe it yeah i just it's awful quickly also being subbed in at end of first quarter start of second quarter is another major deviation from our regular season success right Quickly has come in so much earlier in games. Typically, I believe, is what uh, Nafimal, forgive me, again, Tyrese and I are not doing a great job with the names, is trying to say here, Quickly has come in so much earlier. And that probably goes a long way for Brunson, right? Again, you were talking about the ripple effect of him not playing well. So when he's being subbed in at the end of the first quarter, what are you saying now that Brunson has played eight minutes, nine minutes straight? And if we're getting our ass handed to us, there's no benefit to that. And he hasn't like he hasn't gone on these shooting streaks that we'd like to see that we're so used to seeing. And a lot of that probably has to do with his ankle. But still, that's a great point. Quickly, you know, should not be getting subbed in so late. He may not get subbed in again this fucking series, though. So unfortunately, that may just have to be a, a conversation for yearbook day when we go around and sign everybody's fucking books next week. Uh, he needs to get me halfway through the first one's lineup dominate. I agree. Like you need quicker substitutions. You need to have quicker substitutions. Like you need to put on the bench and you need to have quicker substitutions in general. You cannot keep doing this start like play three guys twelve minutes and the three guys you're playing twelve minutes don't fit together. It's just making it hard for everybody. Yeah. I just I cannot believe the way that we came out today. I was so confident. Three days rest, Randall, Brunson. I mean, Tibbs, not so much. But again, he's only what his talent on the floor is. So I thought these guys being healthy was going to do a lot. And maybe maybe I'm overstating, like, or I guess underestimating how little time three days is. But to me, when you've got guys like Jimmy Butler, like, to me, that seems like all the time in the world to get right and get ready. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of just feel like they came out vastly unprepared and they came out with significantly less energy. And I kind of feel like once the Heat gave them a couple buckets, they kind of just rolled over and died. So we'll see what the response is game four. Yeah, and it's just – it's going to be so hard to draw, like, actual conclusions from what we see in game four, at least how I see it now, right? Because – Right now, the only difference between us winning and losing is hitting shots. And if they get hot in game four, like that's not really going to give me any reason to think that we've learned from our mistakes otherwise. And simultaneously, we don't even know what the lineup's like. Like, Game four is simply do or die. There's no rules. There's no expectations. There's no standard. 
You just show up and you play ball. You either win or you lose, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, uh, I was not talking about the lineup and he's putting talent on the floor. Yeah. Like, the team isn't lacking talent. They're just, la- they're just lacking um, lineups that fit together and work together. And when you're in that situation when lines aren't working together, you're just not going to win a lot of ball games. 100%. And I agree with Christopher, and I think he's kind of alluding to what I was saying. Like, Tibbs is only the talent. That on the- That's 100% right. He is the one in charge of putting that talent on the floor. So he is almost, again, kind of like where I said, he is insane because he does the same thing over and over and expects something different because he is the person that's basically sealing his own fate, especially out of timeouts, like I'm saying, like running the same lineups out of timeouts that forced him into that corner. Like, it's just, yeah. Again, we could... I personally could sit here for another 45 minutes and just shit on Tibbs and everybody else. But the fact of the matter is this. We're down. We're not out. We can still get one win and walk out of the playoffs with our heads somewhat high. Guys have to shoot better, and guys have to be smarter on defense. And that's it. Those two things would go a long way and at least make the next game competitive no matter how many bodies we have. But if guys aren't going to take open shots and if guys are just going to get physical because they want to throw a fucking temper tantrum at the refs, then there's just no point in showing up. Yeah. Um, I also think uh, there's a point to be made that uh, I guess uh, watching the spacing front task with QGR you go to eight, then what he has with RJ either. Yep, it's kind of where I'm at. It's just like you need to optimize the guys. You're not going to optimize the guys, then this team is going to be in a really tough situation, and you're already putting behind the eight balls with coaching. Why are you trying to make it even harder? Yeah, that's the entire point behind Quentin Grimes. It's not because anybody here believes that he's going to make eight threes because he's in the starting lineup. It's that there's always that possibility. So the gravity that he's going to draw is just going to open spacing so much more different than guys. Because the other thing is, too, right, like a great point, Josh Hart is only going to hit those threes from the corner. So in lieu of Quentin Grimes, you essentially closed off a portion of the court entirely to that fifth defender, right, where he doesn't have to worry about that. Because Hart's only going to hit them from the corners. So – with Grimes, it doesn't matter where he's at. He can be all along the arc, and he's going to hit him eventually after however many hundreds of takes. So it just – it really is an added dimension to the spacing and, and the gravity that he gives. And, unfortunately, we just need that with our best players. Like, I don't think it's really that hard to sell. We need the shooter with the most gravity on the floor with the best player so that we can score the most points so we can win the game. Like – I so dumb how we're having to talk about this now. I feel like I need to fucking I don't know. Yep. Uh yeah. Uh the only way to lose the series is coaching and we're seeing it in 4K. And again, we're the more talented team. I'm sorry. The Heat were the eighth seed for a reason. They were three minutes away from getting knocked out of the playing tournament. They their eighth seed because they lost in the first round they lost in the first round of playing to the um the Hawks, like, this is a team where you should be beating them. Not Maybe not handedly because Jimmy Butler's been on a really good tear, but, like, you are the better team. Why are you kneecapping yourself? I've never seen a coach – well, I've seen one coach do it, and it was 2013 when Mike Woodson was putting in Kenya Martin instead of running small, and they lost that game. So, 
it kind of just feels like, why are the Knicks doing that to themselves? If you're if you are a head coach and you had a roster that's worked for you all season long, why are you deviating from that when it matters most? Especially when you had success against the team. It's bad. It's bad. Uh, yeah. The only way we lose this series is coaching. I don't know if it's the only reason we're losing the series, but it is the biggest reason. So, and I guess I agree to a certain extent. Uh, again, I think there's an equal amount of blame amongst everybody at this point in this series in particular. And then if you want to make it about the postseason as a whole, I think Tibbs gets a little more of the blame for how he used guys and, and how they got out of the first round. Uh, but right now, no one is blame-free, in my opinion. I mean, everybody's fucked up enough. That's why we're at where we're at. And I can't believe that we're having to have this funeral down 2-1. Like, nobody else is talking like this down 2-1, especially when it's not even two straight losses. Like, we're just swapping blows, but it's, it just doesn't feel like we have another one in us. Yep. Um, which is really unfortunate. Like, I think if they come out and win game four, the the narrative generally changes because, like, you've regained home court and you have, you're giving yourself more of a chance. But again, I mean, it's such, garden is such a hard bar. Yeah, you go back to MSG 2-2. Okay. We're talking about, I mean, like, percentage like possibilities right like probabilities right now i'd say i wouldn't give us anything more than a 20 percent chance to win this series if we go back to msg 2-2 that skyrockets to like 60 percent i think that's fair yeah because then like they would have to beat you they'd have to beat you on the on the road at msg again which yeah. is that's huh. significant we win one out of every two games at Madison Square Garden. I think that's just scientific fact at this point. When we have a good team that is healthy, the Knicks win one out of every two games at MSG. So you go back to MSG 2-2, you've got a great shot. Uh, but again, it just comes – game four is it. Do or die. Game four – I wouldn't even be worried about anything else. Game four is the game. <laughs> Put up, shut up. Because if you go to MSG down 3-1, there's really no need to play out the rest of the series. It's over. Yep. I agree. Um, yeah, why are we missing open shots? Maybe the quality of the shots aren't as good because the rotation are not so if they're related to people into one another. Exactly. Like, the quality of openness is depending on the lineups. Like, being open with current guards on the court is significantly different than when Josh Hart is on the court because when Josh Hart is on the court, those open shots are usually designed by the defense. And when Quentin Grimes is on the court, those open shots are usually a result of his gravity. So, yes, the Knicks need to convert to their open shots, but they need to have better open shots that are a higher quality. And that seems to have been the issue. I don't disagree. Uh, and I kind of have my spiel about guys need to take the open shots too, though. I don't know. I'm like even thinking today, like, I think we probably passed up more open shots than we took today. I'd be pretty confident saying that. Like, 
So it's so hard to judge guys on like makes or misses from the open spots when they're not even taking the shots at the same clip. So it's yes and no. Guys just need to hit shots. Again, it comes down to the very basics and fundamentals of basketball. <laughs> Play your tip style defense and guys need to hit 20% more of the shots that they're hitting right now. If they can't do that, it's just not going to happen. Miami is too well-disciplined, too well-taught, too determined. They also came into the series with all the momentum in the world, and I don't think anybody talked about that enough. Sure, the Knicks won 4-1 against the Cavaliers, but at least that was a 4-5 series, and the Knicks were always going to win that series after the first couple games. Miami put down a one seed as the eight seed. And as much as I love Professor, they are an eight seed for a reason, as you said, um, Tyrese. That, like... The fire that that sparked in them, like, no team is more dangerous when they're hot than Miami. No pun intended. Like, they're the fucking heat. Whatever. Fuck you. Like, the momentum that they had coming into this series was completely understated, and I know hindsight is twenty twenty. But this was always going to be a dog fight. I just think some people are actually surprised that we're getting, like, teeth knocked out. <laughs> um, I just... I think the Knicks could have won game one if they just shot the ball a bit better. And I kind of feel like game three was the first game where, like, the Knicks actively lost that game. Or yeah. rather, Heat won that game instead of the Knicks losing it. Like, I think game one, the Knicks lost that game. There's a difference between losing a game and another team winning it. And I feel like the, hit, the Heat won game three and the Knicks lost game one, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I also think the Knicks – or did you say game three? I think the Heat lost game two. No. I mean, yeah, you could argue that, but at the same time, I kind of feel like that was the other side of the coin where, like, variance, the variance actually kicked in the way it was supposed to kick in game one that I feel like they were up to when it settled down. One of my bright spots going into game four is that the Miami shot like shit today from deep. I know it didn't do much for us, but if it continues, that could give. Yep. All right. You got anything else? I think we've kind of. Yeah, yeah I've got a. Yeah. Miami above average, New York below average, Knicks down 2 1. Game four is Monday. Yeah. Is Monday, yes. So I still think the Knicks can win game four, and I think that changes the equilibrium series, um, series drastically. I kind of feel like if they win game four, then all bets are off, and they probably go seven. I like that. My prediction was that it was going to go six from the jump. So I still think the Knicks have one more win in them. Somehow, after today, I'm still saying that. Uh, Knicks got one more in them. And let's just see if they can get it on the, on the, on the road. Yep, and... I think the benefit of rest is in our favor because I think we play Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay. So you expect that the Heat being the older roster might struggle with that a bit. Um, or no, it's yeah, it's but yeah, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Monday again, May fifteenth, if it were to go to seven at MSG. Yeah. But yes. Um, That'll be Monday. Uh, we'll be back for it with post game, hopefully with the entire squad. 
And once again, thank you guys for coming out to the Strictly Meetup. If you guys were able to meet it, uh, make it, we obviously were not there. Uh, out of state, boys. But yes, thank you guys for supporting. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, the Strickland yearbook tea is on sale now. Go buy it if you haven't already. Thank you guys for all the support and peace out. See you guys.